Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. In each episode, we spotlight the numerous efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. On this episode, we're discussing irrigation system efficiency. We also talk about tools to help you measure soil moisture and temperature so you can conserve water during dry weather. Here's your host, Elise Koning. We've had some dry weather here in Indiana recently, and with the crops growing, we're hoping for some rain. If we don't get the rain when we need it and where we need it, though, we'll need to conserve the water that we do have. Here to talk with me today about that topic are Mark Kingma and Betsy Bauer. Welcome to the podcast, Mark and Betsy. It's great to be here. It is. So Betsy, let's start out with you. What's your background in soil health systems and especially looking at irrigation? Uh, So yes, uh, my name is Betsy Bauer. I'm an agronomist for Siri Solutions and have been, uh, which is an agri-tail cooperative on the western side of the state. And I have um, been working with soil health systems nearly my whole career, um, which is about 30 years. I've gotten the opportunity to um, work with uh, customers early on in my career, changing from tillage to no-till at a time when it seemed like a lot of our customers were doing that. And then as um, that's been one of my key interests during my career is looking at at, um, understanding soil health systems and improving soil health on the farm. And then within the last 10 years, uh, we've gotten into um, using soil moisture probes to better recommend irrigation in irrigating irrigated fields. And Mark, what's your background in soil health systems and irrigation? Well, we um, started doing... um no-till probably best guess be about 35 years ago uh, my dad and I and we started with irrigation probably about that same time when we put up put up our first center pivot um, and the soil health aspect we've been uh, starting to track that especially since we started doing cover crops along with the the no-till about uh, 10 years ago we started playing with cover crops now we try to get a cover crop on at least a third of our ground every year it's just we've got to do what 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 works what what fits and uh including the weather we get based on last year's weather we had some really hot dry days and we had long stretches where we didn't have a whole lot of water what did the irrigation uh, picture look like then? Did we have some producers who were newly getting into irrigation because they needed to? And what do you think the irrigation picture is going to look like for this summer? Well, time will tell for sure on what the irrigation picture looks like um, because we just really don't know. And uh, certainly we had some dry times in, in some areas. Um, some dry time last year, June was dry for all of us in Indiana. And so there were some opportunities to start irrigating a little earlier, but it's all based on what the roots are telling us uh, with some of the soil moisture probes. And then in some areas continue, continue to be dry in Indiana or other areas um, in, in Southwest Indiana did get a little bit more rainfall. 
Um, and so um, we ended up having a dry August. So then we did start irrigating again in some of those areas. So it really just, um, and Indiana can be very different from north to south. So it just depends on the season. So you really don't know what's going to happen until you sort of get into the season. And then you monitor, we're using soil moisture probes to monitor some of that moisture in the soil, as well as what the stages in the crop and understanding when the crop needs water the most. Uh, but Mark, how did how did things go for you then up in northern Indiana last year? Um, it was interesting. There's a reason that most farmers that have had irrigation for a while uh, nickname it irritation season. Um, there's there's always trials with with everything that we're doing. Um, when um, we think we have it figured out, we get a curveball, and uh, suddenly we don't. Um, the moisture probes actually were huge in helping us the last few years uh, determine what we had what we had to do with um, our irrigation to keep the uh, enough moisture on the ground. Last year we had a couple of key rains, and we thought the farm that we were on where we had the probe was doing well. Well, come to find out, we had about uh, eight inches of topsoil and then it was but just nothing but yellow sand where we had the probe and we had to irrigate a whole lot more on that field than what we ever dreamed we needed to. So we learned something every year. So describe this moisture probe. What is it and how does it work? Yeah, so the soil moisture probe is actually a bank of sensors. It is a long column that has sensors every four inches. And we've got um, the probes are either 36 inches or 48 inches. And we've got the ability to sort of do what's called the dry fit. So we have an auger that allows us to evacuate the soil for the soil moisture probe just to, to sit in. It just fits like a glove. And um, then that is hooked to a telemetry unit and the telemetry unit. So the telemetry unit is um, is is reading what the probe is 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 reporting and sending all that information to the cloud. And then a, a, a our customer and ourselves can monitor that data. Uh, we use CropX as our as our uh, we use CropX as our um, our vendor for this product. And um, it, uh, then they organize the data so that, it, that we can look and, and see at each depth. So the sensors are four inches apart, as I said. And so we can look at each sensor at each depth and understand, okay, where are we getting dry in, in that soil moisture profile? From a farmer and a no-tiller um, aspect, we realized that um, we could... When you know what to look for, like um, Betsy and um, another one of her uh, cohorts, um, where they could tell us where the crop is pulling moisture from. And we found out that we had roots that were down over 24 inches deep. Um, uh, the dry June really helped us with the roots going that deep. So we had um, uh, available moisture in those areas, um, a lot more moisture available to the crop to use than what we thought we had. And in other areas where we found out that the uh, um, there was so much sand close to the surface, 
that we had to run the irrigator more. Um, but our uh, ground has really, really changed since we've been um, focusing on uh, soil health as far as the amount of water that we can handle in a rain event. It goes down through the ground quicker. Um, and we can um, just to get the, the ground dried out enough to uh, be able for the crop to continue to grow. Um, when it, uh, and the, the probes can tell us when the nitrogen has gotten pushed down too far. And if we may have to come in with a, uh, another uh, second nitrogen application. So they really will work well. They're well worth the money we invest. The sensors uh, measure soil moisture, temperature, and EC. And EC is a measurement of soluble salts. And so when we get a heavy rainfall, we can see, especially in sandy soils, we can see those soluble salts, which are gonna be fertilizer salts, could be nitrogen, could be potassium, could be any sort of fertilizer salt. We can see it move through the profile in those sandy soils. And then we can also measure sort of maybe what is in the top foot of soil, maybe sometimes two feet too. So then as we sort of know, okay, what do we have the nitrogen there um, that we need to, to finish this crop? Or do we need to supplement a little bit just to be sure it's it, the, the, the corn crop has nitrogen when it needs it? Betsy, I want to ask more questions on the nutrients moving through the soil profile in a minute. Mark, you mentioned something interesting where the um, the soil probes are showing that you, you've you got different results than you used to have where um, you were changing over systems. Can you explain what you were seeing maybe a few years ago and what you are seeing now? One farm in particular, about the time we put this irrigator on that farm, we had a crop of popcorn out there. And we got about five inches of rain one afternoon, and we had six inches of water standing. Well, I guess we had five inches of rain, so we had five inches of water standing on two-thirds of this 130-acre field, and it just was not draining away. Um, we had to go out there and waste-high corn and dig trenches to get the water to go off exactly the opposite of what we were trying to um, have happen with uh, going to no-till. But over time, over the next 10 years, now we can get a four or five inch rain event and that water filters down through the soil within, within hours. Uh, with the next day, we wouldn't want to go drive on the um, out on the field, but the, the crop can continue to grow uh, after that rain so much sooner that we just don't see the um, problems of crops flooding out and starving for uh, oxygen. So Betsy, what do you see in those kinds of systems where you've got a soil health system with um, nutrients moving through the soil profile versus what the nutrients do in a system that is not in a soil health system? Well, we can talk about nutrients and we can talk about water. I've, I've gotten the privilege um, over the last several years since we've started using soil moisture probes to really get a, to put probes in, in a soil health system versus an, a neighboring field that's a non-soil health system. And I've been also been able to put stuff, um, soil moisture probes and a cover crop strip versus a non-cover crop strip. And what's 
it's really um, opened my eyes just um, as to the differences between the two systems. So with soil health systems versus um, conventional systems, you'll see that, that the crop will root deeper, deeper in those systems in the soil health system. Not only will it root deeper, but also it's um, sort of, you will, don't need irrigation for another week or two. And what I've also found is with this, the fields under soil health systems, there's, there's a little bit more water in the system itself overall that we can also stop irrigating a little sooner in the, um, it, during the year. Regarding cover crops versus no cover crops, um, you can certainly see a little bit more rainfall get in, is captured in that cover crop system versus even a no-till non-cover crop system. That's been fairly interesting too, somewhere in the, you know, depending on what you get for water for in the winter time, it could be a half or, a, or an inch to even depending on the, yeah, how much water and then what we have for soil. So that's sort of been fun to, to watch um, as, as we've had these tools that allow us to know where roots are and then also measure what rainfall we're getting into to the landscape. It's been interesting. I'm glad you mentioned the cover crop versus no cover crop because that's a question I wanted to ask both of you. Are there certain uh, soil health practices that you've noticed have various changes on the soil, soil moisture that you're seeing in the probes? I don't I really wouldn't be able to talk to the moisture in the probes um, as much other than, than what Betsy had j just finished saying, but we do see the, um, yeah, it's a, a marked difference, especially when we have a, a farm that we just start farming and it's been conventional tillage for the previous decades. And um, then if we get a um, one farm in particular, we uh, it was just perfect weather in the fall. We flew on uh, some cover crop, um, and uh, the cover crop was getting started. It was all really small, but we knew there were some hard pans out there, and we thought, let's go and um, do some uh, deep tillage not turning anything over, just uh, a, a subsoiler that uh, with no-till coulters on it, slice the ground and went about 18 inches deep. And um, we pulled that through in, on strips on uh, one area that we had cover crop, another area, all of it, because we did, weren't trying cover crop on that part. And we saw a huge difference when we had a three or four inch rain the uh, next June, when the corn was real small yet, um, there was no water standing on the lower ground where we had gone with the subsoiler and the cover crop. The other fields had only the subsoiler and they had more water standing on them than when we did the subsoiler and the cover crop. And that, that told us a lot on how much they were helping. Oh, that, that is just so cool, uh, Mark. And uh, it's just really neat to see some of those things. I've got a couple of experiences myself in some where you've got that hard pan, like you mentioned, and even just a cover crop alone. And this is a, a sort of a loam soil um, near uh, Lafayette that you could see the hard pan. You could see the roots get to the hard pan. And I said, you know, you probably ought to start with some cover crops. He was already doing no-till, strip-till. 
He started with cover crops that very next year. We could see roots get an, another two inches, crop roots get another two inches deeper. And it was like, hey, now we can start capturing some some water. And it's on silt loam soils as well. It's just been sort of not only water side of things, but then just seeing those roots in the crop be able to get deeper because you've had the previous cover crop roots just open it up. Right. So thinking more about water on the irrigation systems, how are those soil health systems affecting that irrigation efficiency and how well um, that system is going to work over the summer, over the growing season? I believe we're getting more better use of the water that we apply or better use of the, of the rainwater we get. It um, gets into the ground quicker and it stays there, whether it's irrigation or, or whether it's rainfall. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Just uh, uh, you're able to catch, capture more water and, and keep it and then have that as a reserve. Plus, once you do, irrigating, do irrigate, you get all of it. All of the irrigation that you put on the soil does get in. Mark, are there specific irrigation settings that you use in order to for it to work best with your soil health system? We really haven't changed our irrigation um, at all since uh, we've improved our soil health. We, um, when we think it's dry enough that uh, we can, adding some water will, will help the crop, we do. And the, what, what the soil probes help us with is as the water starts to get lower in the soil profile, we can start the irrigation up. So we never have the crop lacking for water. If it gets to the point where it's lacking, it's lacking on a whole, however much ground the irrigator covers, and, and we can't get water on all of it the same day. It's gotta be, it's anywhere from three to four days to make a circle with a pivot and some of it if, it, if it all starts lacking at the same time, lacking moisture, some of it's four days before it gets moisture. So we are able to start the, uh, the pivot up sooner than what we otherwise would if we were just guessing on our own. And other times, I'm sure we're out there putting water on when it's not necessary. So it, it, it helps us in every aspect. And the soil health uh, improving the soil health helps us use all the water that gets put on. As the irrigation system is moving through the field, do you see a difference in the ease of it moving through? Um, for example, in a soil health system, are you better able to move the wheels through with um, less times of it getting stuck? We are on our sand, we don't have a problem with it getting stuck, but it running around. We also never do tillage to take out the ruts that it does create. So our pivots don't make as big of a rut as what they used to when we were doing um, some tillage or when even when we were no-till and no cover crops. The healthier soil supports the weight of the uh, tires on the ground better to where we don't have as big a ruts to, pile, to uh, bounce through in the fall when we harvest. So we can tell a difference. You're listening to the Hat Soil Health Podcast with Betsy Bauer, an agronomist for Series Solutions, and Mark Kingma, a farmer in northwestern Indiana. 
So both Mark and Betsy, what have you been seeing out in the field as far as some of the challenges that farmers have faced in implementing soil health systems and then matching their irrigation systems to what that soil health system needs? Betsy, you want to go first? (laughs) Right, right. Um, (laughs) So I guess I would probably start out by saying, um, understand in Indiana that we're pretty much rain fed. Uh, But we know um, we've certainly got sandy soils that we just need to fortify that soil in some times that's critical for growth um, in that crop or or, um, during the pollination phase or in corn or during the pod setting phase in soybeans that we just need a little bit of help to get through some of those time periods. Um, So... When we think about, um, okay, soil health systems on the irrigated acre, um, uh, I don't think farmers have changed much regarding how they've set up their irrigation systems, but we might find that we are able to save a pass or two at the beginning and a pass or two at the end of the year uh, as we manage that um, because we know that we've got a little bit more water in the system. It may change sometimes how much water that we apply. If it's early in the season and the nutrition in the plant, we do a little bit of tissue testing with that. And the nutrition, the plant is sort of saying, hey, I'm a little low here. We know that the the nutrition is probably all in the upper six or eight inches. Um, We know that it does go lower, but we, we put nutrition on the surface and just below the surface. And so we know that we might need to add some water to just be sure that the nutrients are getting to the crop. And so the crop doesn't get, um, um, suffer much on the nutrition side of things, but, um, I guess overall, um, uh, soil health systems have allowed us to maybe not need as much irrigation as, as a conventional system. I do have a customer that's north of Terre Haute that he doesn't even use a soil moisture probe every, uh, anymore in a soil health system in a sandy soil because for two or three years when we put it in, he either got rain at the right time or, or that soil health system was functioning so well that it was keeping soil moisture to that crop and he didn't feel like he needed it anymore. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Betsy. We um, haven't really changed. I think we are running the, there's there's times when we're running the irrigator less than what we used to. And there's times when we're running it more than what we used to. Um, it's from before we only, all we really had to go on was what rain we've had in the last week or 10 days and what the forecast is um now we can um we can tell we can we can see where the water is in the profile and um between that and the forecast we can uh, make decisions and when we have to have to run it um the um cover crops that we use just help the um they help out the whole aspect we raise better crops when the soil is is healthier, we actually uh, spray less also, which has got to be better. I don't know if it makes the soil so much different, but um, spraying less sure is a lot more economical. Yeah, and especially when you have labor shortages and some input prices going up, you definitely want to see the savings wherever you can. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. So what advice would you give to a farmer who is irrigating right now and they may be interested in getting into a soil health system or adding some more practices to what they're already doing? Where would you tell them to start? Mark, you take that one first. Okay. Uh, there's actually several places to start. Most of their local uh, SWCDs are promoting um, soil health practices and have programs available or contacts for even uh, getting people hooked up with an equip program to get the equipment they need for putting on cover crops. Uh, some have uh programs available where they're lumping other farmers together and flying on um, five, 6,000 acres of cover crop in a day or two early in the fall. Um, they uh, get all the scheduling done in, in one big group. There's a lot of uh, things out there to uh, for a farmer to get started doing um, cover crops. And the education is available on how to, how to and when to terminate cover crops. Actually, with doing no-till, we've found that we don't need to terminate our cover crop uh, when we're planting soybeans. We plant the soybeans into green cereal rye, and uh, a lot of it is 12 to 18 inches tall when we plant the soybeans. Then we actually go in with a burn down with residual after that and uh, let our soybeans get off to a tremendous weed free start. Yeah, the only th addition I could, might add to that is um, seek out people in your area who are successful with no till. Yes. If you're interested in starting to no till and then do covers too. Um, it, it, some of the first passes might be to, to start with some uh, first things to maybe do is start with some no-till. Um, but then pretty quickly after that, if you can get into cover crops, that can change your system so quickly. No-till certainly changes the system right off. And then adding the covers just improves um, um, the system overall. Um, there's a lot of um, uh, people in, in each community, well, maybe not a lot, but there are several people in each community that have had uh, have had good and bad experiences overall, meaning learning experiences, learning experiences right. that certainly um, allow um, others to get in and, and learn from some of their experiences um, throughout the years. Uh, and just seek out uh, seek out professionals. I mean, we're lucky in Indiana now that we've got a corn specialist who has done some work with no-till systems and with cover crops. And so I feel pretty fortunate that we've got some some good information that will be coming to help us be more successful overall too, along with those uh, guys like Mark who have been no-tilling for 35 years and have learned along the way of what to do and what not to do and, and can certainly help um, people get started on a, more of a right foot than just going into it blind. Are there any special considerations to be made when establishing a soil health system and using an irrigation system? And if so, what would be those considerations? Oh, gosh. Um, well, the one thing with when you've got an irrigation system, um, you know that you've got some water that, that can really help along. So you think about establishing a cover crop. 
we have a fall that is super dry like this last fall is and you really need to get your cover crop up and growing that's the perfect fit for an irrigation system if you've got irrigation so it allows you to to get through some of those short-term uh, dry soil conditions even just thinking about a cover crop um, water allowed to put on nutrition to do some fertigation too um, as you think about how to feed that crop and maybe you can break up the timing on the crop you can do some fertigation um, with starting a no-till system, um, it can help you if you think about um, some crusting. It could alleviate some crusting soon after you've planted a crop. And we oftentimes get some time periods during the spring that we, we get a crop planted. Um, and then all of a sudden, and it may be in good conditions, but then we get this hard pounding rain. We certainly could use our irrigation systems to, to help alleviate some of that cresting to allow for more uh, successful stand establishment. Mark, what other things can you think of? Um, I guess I think over, over the years, some of the mistakes that I made that, um, we can uh, tell people a lot of things what not to do. What <laughs> um, um, one in particular is um, when you're first getting started with no-till, our uh, your uh, rotation. It's so much easier to plant corn after soybeans, and then no-tilling soybeans after corn makes it a lot simpler than trying to no-till corn into corn and having your planter set up to be able to plant into cover crops can be pretty tricky whether you have irrigation or not if you um, terminate them correctly you can plant into it with just about anything so um it's th there's just a lot to um, a lot to learn but the the information is is out there uh, there's people that are, are wanting to willing and wanting to help. Yeah, that's one of the other benefits about um, soil health systems in Indiana. There is a, a lot of farmers using soil health systems that want to make it successful for other farmers. And we just have uh, just lots of people that, that, that can help and help people be successful. And there's there's a can be some different ways to go at some of this, but um, we've got there's quite a network out there if you're interested and want to to seek it out. And part of that network includes the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, who supports this podcast. So there are a lot of people out there who you can talk to, including Mark and Betsy. And if someone wanted to find out more about what your um, what your work is here in Indiana. Where could they go? From the soil moisture side of things or with the soil moisture probes and irrigation, certainly Series Solutions um, Cooperative would be someone that you could contact and you can talk, contact your local branch. I know Series Solutions isn't throughout Indiana, but certainly um, even contacting um, someone to get a hold of me or I'll leave my information in, in available uh, for people to to, to have, um, and then I can probably point you to other areas in Indiana where we're using some soil moisture probes themselves. Another way to find um, information <clears throat> would be to, um, even on a thing like Facebook, go to um, look up uh, 
SWCDs on Facebook, look up the one for your county, for your um, your region. Uh, they're all throughout the, uh, the the state in the Midwest. I know they, they all have uh, a social media presence and they talk about a lot of the things they do. do. They organize cover crop events. They uh, organize um, some no-till um, inspections. They dig soil pits. They have events in the fall where we dig soil pits to uh, see how deep uh, early established um, cover crops have gone. Uh, there's just a lot of things that are out there to see how much help you can get. As we start to wrap up this episode of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, what is one key takeaway that you would want the listener to think about as he or she goes about their day? Regarding the soil probes, it was really eye-opening to us how deep our corn and uh, our corn two years ago and our soybeans this past, this past year, how deep they were pulling moisture from. Um, and that's because of our soil health and we're able to recognize that because of the, uh, soil probes, the moisture probes. So, and Betsy's the one that got us started doing that. <laughs> Thank you, Betsy. <laughs> you are more than welcome. <laughs> Uh, yeah, regarding soil moisture probes and and it uh, and, and in that irrigated acre, um, it it just allows you some understanding of of where the roots are, how much they're pulling. Do you have some areas in your soil that that um, um, maybe you aren't getting deep enough? Um, the roots are just sort of sitting there at eight or or twelve or fourteen or sixteen inches somewhere in there, sixteen to eighteen inches. It allows you to understand how much that crop is pulling during the year. Um, and um, when you pair it with advice from, hey, um, this this crop is getting towards the pollination time period, that's the time that we really don't, we need to be sure that water is is there for that crop to, to do its normal processes um, and have successful pollination. Um, then it, it just gives you that much more information to feel good about irrigating. Um, you know, there are lots of farmers who irrigate well in Indiana, there is no doubt. But some of the things that we've learned over the years is that we've probably irrigated too much overall. May have not necessarily always hurt the crop, but there are times that it can. And um, some of the things we've figured out is that we probably, you know, could start a little later on corn on the irrigation side of things, but we may need to be um, uh, irrigating longer in soybeans, just understanding how both of those crops grow and how they build yield um, as they fill grain. So um, in Indiana, again, as I said, it's rain fed. And so what the probes allow us to do is think about um, how that crop is, um, the, the probes allow us to, 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 to um, de determine when that short-term um, dryness is gonna affect things and, and allows us to, to make a recommendation for water during some of those short-time needs. Mark Kingma, a farmer in northwestern Indiana, and Betsy Bauer, an agronomist for Ceres Solutions. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hat Soil Health Podcast. 
Well, it was a pleasure to be here. I'm glad we got the opportunity. Um, Mark has done a great job um, with soil health systems overall, and um, and now uh, um, I know the irrigation is uh, getting some of that um, uh, tied in or, or uh, a little bit more information just helps improve his overall farm. Sure does. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Hoosier Egg today. Yes, thank you, Hoosier Egg today. <laughs> And the Cropping Systems Initiative. Yes, yes. Yes, and we also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Hat Soil Health Podcast brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. Until next time, I'm your host, Elise Koning, with Hoosier Ag Today. This episode of the Hoosier Ag Today Soil Health Podcast has been brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. You can learn more about their efforts and see a schedule of events at ccsin.org. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, create your riches below the surface with healthy soils.